This is the EWN Podcast Network. If you're someone that feels like you have a lot to say, but either you're afraid to say it, or you just feel like you're not being heard, then meet Carrie MacArthur. Hi, I'm Carrie. If you have ever felt like you're invisible or that you want to be invisible, like you've lost touch with who you are, I just want you to know that I understand. I was there and I have spent the last six years of my life reconnecting to myself, my power, and my purpose. And now it is my passion to help you to dare to find your voice. So if you're ready, say I'm ready. I'm ready. Welcome to Dare to Find Your Voice. I am here with Mary Kravitz, who is a highly sought-after business development expert, and she's an international speaker, which is amazing. So anything international makes me so happy, and I love to speak. So <laughs> that's just one of the many things that I believe we have in common, Mary. Um, Mary was groomed in Silicon Valley. She teaches business entrepreneurs how to attract more high-end clients so they can significantly grow their business without working nights and weekends. What a blessing is that? That's amazing. (laughs) Using her methods, the majority of her clients quickly increase their income 50 to 100% thanks to the freedom her proven business system affords her. Mary spends much of her time focused on family with her husband, Adam, on the beautiful central coast of California. She's also an avid roller coaster enthusiast, so that's really fun, and a kayaking volunteer for a wildlife protection program in Morro Bay. So, yeah, we need to hang out, Mary. So <laughs> Awesome. I want to hear all about you. I want to hear about how you um, became who you are, how you learned that that was, you know, what you were good at, what that your, was your passion. And really quick before we do that, I just want to pause for a quick commercial break. Are you a speaker who has an inspiring, insightful message that will help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? If the answer is yes, we invite you to become a pro member of the eWomen Speakers Network. We have over 500,000 women connected through 118 chapters spread across North America. We're looking for speakers to share their wisdom and breakthrough ideas. Go to eWomenNetwork.com and join our speakers network. The benefits for pro speakers are incredible. Go to eWomenNetwork.com. All right, we're back. Mary, tell me, how did you, because you mentioned that you your story of burnout and recovery is kind of what led you to where you are now. And I would really love to more know more about that. First, though, tell us anything else you want us to know about you now, like your big, your big you. Who are you now? My, my big you, my <laughs> big me. Well, I think my big me is so firmly rooted in, in the burnout story that, um, yeah, and I mean, you read my bio, that's kind of the big me now. So uh, I'd love to start with the, the story because I think it's so relatable. Um, it's luckily it has a happy ending. It's not tragic. And it's, um, I think people will be able to, to identify it. So I started my business, not because I had this grand idea, but rather because I didn't like working for anybody else. And I had a skill set that I discovered was valuable. 
And um, so I started going after it and I was just, I didn't have the luxury of not making a living. I had to pay my bills. I didn't have a trust fund or anything like that. So I really feel like that was a real blessing that I didn't, it's like I had to go out there and I had to make money. Um, the problem was that was that I went at it like all wrong. I was running in every direction. I was trying everything. When someone said I have to do podcasts, I go do podcasts. Someone said I had to do webinars, I go do webinars. And all it led to was adrenal fatigue, like literally medically diagnosed adrenal fatigue. And it so happened burnout, about, right? yeah. what's that? Real life burnout. Yeah, real life burnout, not just like, gosh, I'm kind of sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like working. It was, yeah. there was something medically wrong. And I'd seen a lot of women in business um, go through something similar. And some of them made the choice to recover and take care of themselves. And others, they were in their 60s and 70s and were really seeing, I mean, they were successful in one sense financially and they had a good name for themselves, but they actually weren't able to show up for themselves health wise at the end of their journey. So I, I made the decision to take care of myself. And in that time frame when I was recovering, um, I had for about three months, I only had about four hours of energy a week mm-hmm. and I had a business to save. So I didn't have time to work on my mindset. <laughs> I didn't have time to explore my childhood relationship with money. I just had to <laughs> get into very specific intentional action with only four hours a week wanted to save my, um, save my business, keep my income coming in. And what happened is I became so specific and intentional out of the crisis that my business grew and it's doubled several times since then. And what I discovered during that time was that focused intentional action, strategic action is really the key to working less and earning more and that's still what I, the principles I run my business on today. It's what my, why my clients succeed worldwide is because it's, it's so simplified. It's so intentional. There's not a lot of fluffy stuff. It's not theory. It's let's not, it's not, let's try out 70 different things. It's focused. Do this. Um, and it, work. Wow. Yes. Okay. So I have a million questions going on in my mind right now. <laughs> when you hit that point and you knew, you said you had four hours of energy a week. And you know, yeah. this the sad thing, I guess, is that I don't think that you're alone. Like I actually know people that are heading in that direction if they're not already there, you know. And yeah. it's so hard because, yeah, what do you do? You've got this passion. You've got this gift. And you need to earn a living. So how do you manage that? And so you're at this point. I mean, did you just intuitively know what to do? Did you have a coach that guided you? I mean, what, what did you, what were your action steps to getting to that place of, wow, this is actually going to work? Well, first of all, my health came first. So I had um, a lot of health professionals around me and I like on the health side, mm-hmm. I cut out sugar, I cut out um, caffeine. I, I like really got smart with what I was putting in my body. Um, and the other thing that I cut out, and this is not, um, it might not be intuitive to think of, but I cut out all of the things that were giving me the, the boost of recognition, mm. like the, Oh, Mary, you're doing so great. And all those things, because all of those things were propping me up. 
They were giving me these surges and actually running late for things also gave me that surge of adrenaline that my body was not really producing. Mm-hmm. And so I had to cut out everything. And honestly, when I got the diagnosis, I kind of thought it was a joke. I was like, yeah, sure. This is a made up thing. Well, when I cut out caffeine and sugar and took you know a significant cut in my schedule, I, it was about two weeks, but I found myself laying down on the couch, not sitting up watching TV, but laying down because that was all the energy I had. Like, binge watching America's top model because it's all my brain can handle. I was like, Oh my God, this is a real thing. I thought it was just an opportunity for, for me to have a few weeks off. Um, and it was pretty scary. So you felt kind of maybe like you had to go backward first before you could go forward. I mean, because being yeah. able, even though you were doing it with supplements and things like that, and with that, that stress adrenaline kick, like you said, all of the things that were boosting you up, that recognition and the stressed out, you know, running late, all that stuff that was giving you, um, your emergency supply of adrenaline, I guess. Yes. So you did have to go backward. Like you probably, did you feel worse for a minute before you got oh there? My, or, oh yeah? God, I felt so much worse. Okay. Yes. At that two week point, I felt way worse. I mean, this was after like recovering for two weeks. And And then did you doubt like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Or did you know still that it was the right? Okay. I definitely doubted it. I definitely thought, well, you know, if if this is the way it's going to be, then obviously just having some caffeine is not that big of a deal because I like working. I like being productive. Um, But eventually what I realized is, well, for one, I was so exhausted. So I really have this, this belief that, we block our brilliance mm-hmm. a lot of the times. And some of the most interesting and clear brilliance that has come through in my life has been when I'm exhausted or pissed off or at a, like someone just gave me a ridiculous 30 minute deadline for something. And I'm like, fine, I'll just do whatever because I don't have any time to overthink this. I always say that I, when my brat comes out, I know that I'm on something. <laughs> But the yeah. thing is, sometimes that brat, um, I think of it like that eight-year-old girl. You know what? Eight-year-old girls, they're awesome because they just, that's that age where you haven't, no one's taught you that you're limited. You're brilliant. You're super woman and, and wonder woman and super girl and can all of it wrapped up into one. And yeah. so sometimes the brat is that amazing eight-year-old who just doesn't believe that there's nothing she can't do. Uh, believes that anything's possible. So Mm. I was exhausted. And so I was like, fine, what am I going to do? And the idea came to me, what's working? Mm. That's it. Just what's working. Because I didn't have time to go explore things. I didn't have time to put efforts into anything that wasn't producing results. And I, I ended up doing this evaluation of all everything I was doing. And I was just like, well, this is bringing me clients and that's bringing me clients. So that's all I'm going to do. And I literally, I do talks all over that include that evaluation. Wow. Because it's, and it's, I mean, people around every audience, they're like, oh my gosh, this is so simple. This is so easy. And it relieves so much stress because my focus in my business is client generation, helping people with client generation and just streamlining that and focusing that for people right away Mm -hmm. is it's really easy. And it's what I did first when I was, when I got sick and it's one of the most important tools I have still to this day. Wow. That's amazing. I really believe that life has a way of showing us our pathway and showing us our brilliance, like you said. And, you know, so to get to that point when that's all you could rely on, 
And then to have that now be your, like, your superpower, right? Yes. <laughs> Whether or not I want to say that now, because that feeling like we're superwoman might be what leads us to, to the burnout. But it's finding that one superpower and focusing on that instead of trying to being everything to everyone. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of people, we have comparison problems. Um, oh, my gosh. You know, I look and see, yes. well, she's doing that, and I'll be awesome if I do that. But wait, she's doing that, and I'll be awesome if I do that. Or that looks... Even if it looks like it might be fun, I don't know if we have to be everything to everyone or everything to ourselves even, maybe even more than everyone. That's a, it's just not a great place to be. So you found your, your trap. Niche. Yeah, it is a trap. Wow. It is. I feel like you were going to say something and I just kept going. So do you have something no, else it, to say about that? just that you brought up, um, like I just developed a new talk that's called Success Without Compromise mm. because I really, so in my business, I think in business, there's two things you really have to have. I mean, if you just break it down to the most fundamental things, you've got to have the mindset piece. You got to be in that. You just yeah, have to, you do. and you have to be in strategic action, two things. And I mean, you know, and there's huge amount of stuff under each of those, right? right? But if we boil it down to its essence, that's what we're looking at. I focus most of my career in what I teach and what I mentor people in is the strategic action because my clients tend to stay in the learning and the mindset and all this stuff that doesn't let them, keeps them in a place where they don't have to be rejected. Right. It's the feel good place, which a lot of us feel like that must be where success is. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. So the strategic action piece I love because I can, I can help people get into implementation, simplified, customized in their way. Mm. But what I found is that seven and a half years down the road from where I started, there's this whole piece that I carry with me, the mindset piece that is very, that's also very clear. And I want to start sharing that as well. And I call it the four deadly C's. Mm. It's comparison, um, complication, compromise, and conformity. Mm. Those are just the killers. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love the compli- I mean, I love all of that. And I'm the complication part of it really stood out to me. Of course, the comparison and the compromise, you know, those are kind of what I teach a lot already. But that complication, um, explain that a little bit. How is that a deadly a deadly C? <laughs> Yes. Um, there's this kind of rampant belief that in order for something to be effective in business or in life, it has to be complicated. And what I found is that there are people who have kind of internalized that and use that as a protective shield. Like it's so complicated. I've got to figure it out. I've got to write it down. I've got to flow chart it and I got to get it online. And then I got to get all the pieces connected and all of that it's a protective shield because it allows them to stay in confusion and complication and not get out there in the world, mm-hmm. not go out there and, and ask to help people and get rejected and get accepted and, and get, you know, the good and the bad and the ugly, mm-hmm. which is what entrepreneurship is. Yeah. So staying in complication is this weird self-sabotage that, uh, that I think really holds people back. Yeah. My husband will say, my husband has a podcast called Mechanic to Millionaire. That's always, it's all about the laws of success and how to implement those in a, in a down to earth, non-complicated way, basically is how he teaches it. But he always says we, you know, the laws are simple and that the principles are simple and we go to work to complicate things. And I do believe that, like you said, it's a safety mechanism and, and it's, 
simple, really. Life is simple, and simple doesn't mean that it's easy because it's hard sometimes to get right to the chase because it is. That's where rejection lives. That's where that's where the comfort zone. We have to step out of our comfort zone to really get simple and right, you know, face-to-face and belly-to-belly and all of that stuff. And so I agree. I agree. It's the getting ready to get ready to get ready kind of stresses me out a lot. <laughs> I'm just like, let's just go do it and then figure it out as we as we go. And I, I'm really good at, at complicating things as well when I'm avoiding as well. So I'm hearing myself in both sides of your story right there. <laughs> yeah. 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 When you, um, you, you know, had your time on the, on the couch, you're watching your, you know, America's Top Model, you're getting really clear with that you're in a place of burnout and that you need to do something and you figure out your niche, you figure out your, um, your superpower. Then how long from that point did it take for you, first of all, to recover You're physically recovering to feel better and for your business to take off? And then I would love to hear after that, and I can ask again, I always ask like 75 questions at once. Um, <laughs> you know, your life now, you know, reading that you, your income increases and you teach people how to income or increase their business. And you have time now to spend with your family, with your husband and, you know, to enjoy roller coasters of all things. So how long did it take you from, you know, flat on your back, needing to make a choice to first feeling healthy and then finding the success and the freedom that you now enjoy? Well, uh, probably from the time when I was really flat on the couch to feeling better enough to consider what are the next steps now that I have a little more energy. That was probably about three months. Mm. Uh, in hindsight, it doesn't seem like much, but at the time it was excruciating because mm. I'm a doer. I have learned from my family background that to produce is to be worthwhile. And so yeah. I had a real hard time with it. And there was a lot of who am I if I'm not my work? Yeah. So that was, <laughs> it was a, self-discovery journey. My, it was a mind trip the whole time. Wow. All the time. I can imagine. And I'm going to pause you there because the reason I asked that question is I feel, I feel like it would be really hard to be in that place of standstill almost for three months and wondering, have I made the right choice? Is this really going to be my life for the rest of, you know, forever? And like I asked you before, did you want to go back to just the caffeine and the, you know, whatever oh, it did. was? And, and, if you did, then how did you stay? How did you make the choice to stick with it for three months? I mean, that is, like you said, grueling, excruciating. And from now, three months is nothing. But in the in the moment, probably every single minute probably felt like days. <laughs> It'll be for me. It was. It, it, you know what? It was both very hard and very easy. Um, it was hard if I when I had enough energy to consider the alternatives. But it was easy because I was so exhausted. I didn't have a lot of fight in me, Mm. honestly. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of surrender, um, mostly because I didn't have the energy to do anything else. I realized I was getting better when I started getting angry to be able to have the energy to be angry. That's a different energetic level. And, and it's, it's such a weird thing, but luckily a friend of mine had gone through a similar thing or not luckily for her, but luckily for me, because I had this resource, she had gone yeah. through it a couple of years earlier and she had told me, she's like, when I started getting pissed off at things again, I realized I was getting better because at the, the lowest points, you just, you can't afford that. Mm. that makes you can't sense. even reach that. 
So in that angry piece, was it then again hard to to keep being patient or at that realization of if I have enough fight in me to, to feel this way, then it must be getting better. And did that help you stay there? You know what? I, I was still too exhausted for really um, articulate self-reflection. Uh, I, I also <laughs> had the, the, I was fortunate enough to have a really good um, acupuncturist who I was mm-hmm. seeing several times a week and she just really helped me um, stay, stay the it. course, keep testing to see how everything was, was doing. Yeah. And, um, it came back, like coming back to a place of where I could be more self-aware. It was a really gradual process. I would say I was feeling much better by three months. And I was like at six months, I was getting a little more clear about what was going on, how I was going to proceed, how to move forward. It was probably a good year before I got, I was actually now looking back because I thought at like six months I was at full energy. Now looking back, it was probably more like two years. Mm. it's back to full energy. Cool. Now, I am a high energy person. Yeah, yeah. So me at like three quarters energy might like top out other people's <laughs> energy scale. So don't want to compare. It's all I relative, just know right. that yeah. there's a while. And I know we can't like, you know, gauge our own um, healing or our, our own journey compared to somebody else's. I just wanted to point out, you know, the time in there and the the patience that it takes because we live in a world that's, I mean, it's instant. I mean, if I oh, yeah. want to know the answer to a question, I just type it in Google and bam, I have 75,000 answers, you know, to choose from. And so it's like that patience piece, I think, can be so hard for us. And it really is a necessary piece, not only in recovery, but in, in growth and development and all kinds of things. And I, that's why I really wanted to kind of linger there for a minute to just point that yeah. out. Well, the element of time, mm-hmm. it's, it has to be respected, when you plant, a there is a germination yes. period before something can blossom. Yes. Anything. And, the and there are ways to speed things up and there are ways to slow things down, but you can't take time out of the equation. Thank you for that. I love that. So well said. You can't take time out of the equation. We can't. And we, we really would love to be human beings. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The good thing is, is that when you've been doing things for a while and you're consistent and you have your network and you have your message, you have those things, your turnaround can be a lot faster. Mm. Your time can, can, it can, you can see results a lot faster, but it doesn't come out of the equation. Right. I, I'm reading a book right now by Darren Hardy called The Compound Effect. And he talks about, you know, those little things, the, the penny had doubled every day for 31 days, you know, can go to over $10 million and if we decided early on to stop doing it because all I have is 64 cents, you know, this is nothing, then, you know, we couldn't jump back in and think that we could, you know, go back to that 64 cents. So we'd have to start back at one again, you know, and to repeat that, repeat that actually does take longer than holding on for the long haul. Those compound effects are really important. And those it's the daily habits. And you probably formed a lot of new habits in that rest that period, huh? I did. And, and actually, I don't know if I created new habits, um, more, more so I create, I created a higher commitment to the habits I knew were necessary. Oh, I like that even better. That's amazing. Not just filling in with a bunch of stuff, but actually, like you said, focusing and getting really intentional on what you choose to do. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, 
I do still want you to explain your life now as in comparison to even what it was before you had the burnout. I just really want, you know, this is the reward of the patients. Um, I want to ask one more question though. So when you were at the, at the point where you were starting to feel better, was it scary to jump back in or did you want to jump back in like crazy? Like, bam. A little bit of both, uh, okay. but I think I jumped in and yet there was a part of me that I realized it was just two years ago. I realized two years ago, I was still really holding back from connecting with people socially. So what happened like in the midst of all of this is I moved from Arizona to California. And a lot of, a lot of things happened around that with my, my husband had to change his business and then I ended up being the sole provider. I mean, just like everything you can imagine happened. Because life is never and, one faceted. Yes, anyway, right? There's always a lot of stuff yeah, going on. <laughs> yeah, let's remember that. Okay. But um, I realized about two years ago, well, it's about two and a half years ago now, um, after moving to this new place and I've been here about a year and a half, that I was still really um, trying to conserve my energy. I didn't realize this, but I was conserving my energy by not engaging socially with people, not making plans for the weekends, not making plans in the evenings, um, like really holding back. And I don't remember what it was that triggered it. But it was like, I'm still acting like my energy is very, mm. very limited. And it's five years down the road. I'm like, wow, I did not know that was happening. So the way that I moved from that place to now we're um, roller coaster queen and uh, I like to kayak with the otters and all this so is that cool. I, I did two things. Number one, I went to a networking meeting and I said, I've been here a couple of years. I've done, it was November. I remember this. And I was like, I have, I have not engaged socially. Um, and so I'm going to ask you to invite me to your holiday parties. Wow. I need to meet people. I just really asked for inclusion in social events and that really helped. Wow. And then the other thing was, what do I really like to do? And not judging it because I'm like, I like roller coasters. Oh, well, Mary, that isn't very socially conscious. <laughs> <laughs> thing Sounds really fun, fun though. <laughs> but awesome fun. So yeah. we, uh, my husband and I, we got uh, season tickets to, uh, not Great America, Six, Six Flags, Flags down south, three hours away. Nice. And so we go down there three times a year, two, three times a year. It's awesome. So I start, I asked awesome. for inclusion and I started scheduling things. Um, I love to kayak on Morrow Bay, but it was one of those things that you can do that any weekend. So instead I, what happened is I found a uh, volunteer agency that goes out and you talk to tourists and ask them to stay back from the otters and everything. So now I'm on a schedule. I'm doing couple days I'm going to go out onto the bay so it's like getting really intentional and I will follow a schedule because that's a commitment to someone else Mm, that makes sense yes that's how we are (laughs) to myself isn't as high and you know maybe it should be higher and I should be more self-aware or something but hey what I know is I'm having fun I'm out there Mm -hmm. I actually have a life now I have something to put on my bio other than she works and makes money (laughs) (laughs) that's so awesome (laughs) the thing that you did with that and you you probably realize it, but I'm going to point it out, is you knew that you wouldn't schedule yourself as a high priority, so you found a way to make that happen. I'm the priority here because I love to kayak, and to hold me accountable to myself, I am going to include other people in the process. And that's really part of, um, I've learned, a part of being able to use our gifts and our interests 
in, in a healthy way instead of an unhealthy way is to lean on other people sometimes to, to use people, to use skills and to use processes. And that's what you did. You involved other people and you involved a schedule, which is a, you know, a process that allowed you to go out and have the time of your life on a schedule. I love that. It's brilliant. Totally agree. I love the way you pulled it apart because I love those threads. I love the, here's the foundation. Here's the roots so to what, what's happening here. I love it so much. This has just been an amazing conversation. I'm, I'm so in alignment with so much of what you say. And I'm also like, Hmm, I could probably use what you do. <laughs> so that's really amazing. Um, and on that, I want to ask you, you know, how do people get a hold of you? How would they get started if they even just want to, you know, learn more about how you might could help them? How can they do that? I have uh, two resources that are, um, I would say, the best places to start. And one is my website, which is awesome. It's very friendly. It's, you're going to see me, and I've got and my blogs up there. My blogs are already always a little goofy, and um, but also have some fun strategy in that. So you can go to simplygetclients.com. Okay. And just explore it and dig around. If you'd like an easier way to like dig into the work and some of the education I can offer, go to moreclientslessmarketing.com. Moreclientslessmarketing.com. Okay. And that's a, a little opt-in page that'll take you straight over to um, a page that's got a video, just a two-minute kind of explainer video. Here's what we do. And then if you scroll down the page, there's a really meaty webinar about how to really streamline your client generation efforts. So kind of all in one place, streamlined. If you want to go someplace, moreclientslessmarketing.com is your best bet. Nice. Thank you for that. That sounds like an incredible gift just right off the bat. Um, I have one more question for you. And this is a question I love to ask all of my guests. Um, Kind of a surprise question. I am all about, yay, (laughs) I'm all about... I love connection and I love to be able to connect goodness with more goodness. There's so many, there's so much bad news that gets blasted in our faces that it feels sometimes I think like the bad news is bigger than the good news and that, you know, life is harder than it really needs to be. It just feels like maybe the good news is kept quiet. So I'm on a mission to blast the good news out and let people hear that there's so much good news going on in the world. So in your corner of the world, is there some good news that you have witnessed, that you've experienced, that you would like to share with the rest of us? Uh, well, there's two things from literally from my corner of the world. So um, in Morro Bay, which is a beautiful place, by the way, come here and visit. It's gorgeous. Okay. Um, I love the sea otters. They're adorable. I will literally sit and just watch them float for an hour because they just find it so charming. Um, They have gone from being endangered to being protected because of the work that has been done um, by environmental groups, by the parks and by the Marine Protection Area. So that's something that makes me very happy. They actually have, there's this whole life cycle that involves kelp. It involves the sea urchins and the otters, and that's getting into balance. And that accounts for a lot of the oxygen that's in our atmosphere. Wow. So it's like a very connected big deal that these little changes and improvements are being made. Little changes make big results. Oh, that's kind of the theme of the show anyways. That's awesome. There's a lot of theme going on there. Yes, Yes. there is. My daughter-in-law will be very excited about that. She has a thing for otters. And she and my son just moved to Irvine, California, so I don't know how far that is. 
I'm sure they'll be making a trip now, though, to see the otters and to hear all of that. She'll be way excited. <laughs> oh, I'll yes. Sure and tell her. Yes. And so the other thing that I'm really proud of is that I started a women's business group here in San Luis Obispo, part of a national organization. And one of the things we've seen is we kind of went from women be in the workplace being, you know, less than done, then women behaving like men to get ahead and stepping on women mm -hmm. to get there. Um, and there's some ugly tendrils of that still left. And what I'm very excited about is that in the organization, it's the National Association of Women Business Owners, we've made a concerted effort at, from the top levels to talk about the challenges of women working together. And it stems back to like hunter-gatherer days that um, if we're going to be in society together, we have to work together together. But if we want to compete, we have to do it covertly. Mm -hmm. And so it comes out very catty and really nasty. Um, so keeping an eye on that, keeping the conversation always between whoever is, you know, if there's a problem, you have a conversation with a person, you don't talk to other people. And so this group that I have, it's part of our culture. And I've gotten to see the most beautiful examples of people working mm -hmm. together, of people addressing bad behavior with each other and working it out instead of it creating, you know, this nasty little environment that I think a lot of women have been hurt by. Mm -hmm. um, wow. So having been a part of creating that culture and then witnessing it has been just good for good for my heart. Wow, that's fantastic. Like we could probably talk for another couple of hours about that. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a book called Tripping the Prom Queen, mm. which is all about that that competition, female competition, female mm. rivalry, and where that all stems from. Yeah, it's there so much and it's always blown my mind because I'm like, women, that's not our nature. <laughs> but we act that way so often. So I love that. I love that so much. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Anybody yeah. who what's good the name news. of the organization again? Yes. Huge good news. The National Association of Women in Business, is that what you called it? National Association of Women Business Owners, NAWBO. NAWBO, oh. okay. Everyone can check that out too. Thank you so much, Mary. This has been a wonderful conversation. I look forward to talking more. Me too. Thanks for having me. And the time just flew by. It does, doesn't it? That's yeah. when you know that you've got a good conversation going on. <laughs> Thank you for being a great conversationalist and for being such a, a force in in the world for women and men. I mean, you know, when women are good, men are good. So it's all good. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, and thank you for listening to Dare to Find Your Voice. This is the EWN Podcast Network.